Welcome to CBR's Dynamic Duos podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Brian Cronin, and our dynamic duo for today are Eisner Award-winning creators Eric Powell and Becky Clunan, who are here to discuss Four Gathered on Christmas Eve, a new collection of stories from Dark Horse Comics that will be out on December 19th. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Hello. So, Eric, I know that all readers of C, all listeners of Dynamic Duo, they all know about the Victorian uh, tradition of uh, ghost stories. But just in case that perhaps some friend of theirs is listening with them that doesn't know about it as much, could you give a quick rundown of the tradition? Well, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a you know historian and know you know the origins of this or anything, but uh, uh, to my knowledge, it was um, a bit of a uh, you know a tradition in Victorian times and before to uh, share ghost stories on Christmas Eve. Um, uh, the idea for for this book kind of came about when I was uh, rewatching. Um, uh, the movie, the 1981 movie Ghost Story, uh, which is based on a, a good, uh, really good uh, Peter Straub book, um, where these old men um, uh, create a, a, a little group, a club, and sit around a fire and have drinks and tell each other ghost stories or try to scare each other. And it just had me thinking, like, I was kind of envious of them because that isn't something that I could <laughs> really do you know it we, seems a little I, weird we today that. that people would sit around yeah <laughs> we could do we that, could totally do that. We how many people could we actually bring in on that though i oh, don't know i bet we could find a ton of people so many people to make it happen well okay we might we might actually make this happen but anyway um I was a little envious of them because I thought how fun that would be to actually sit around a fire and have some whiskey and tell ghost stories. Um, and it had, you know, started me thinking about, you know, that tradition of Christmas Eve ghost stories and everything. And uh, I had been thinking for a while about doing something Christmas, Christmas related with ghost stories. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, it would be, cool to take that concept of sitting around telling ghost stories and do that with some comic creators. And, uh, luckily I was able to bring along, uh, Mignola and Becky and James Heron and, uh, to, uh, contribute to this thing. Fascinating. Um, so, uh, so how was it? Did you pick the four, the three other creators, or I know you have uh, Katie O'Brien as the editor on this, and yes. she's obviously done Mike's uh, comics mm -hmm. for many years now. Did Dark Horse help with with selection, or was it all your calls? No, this was actually a project that started when uh, before I merged Albatross with Dark Horse. Um, this was this project was actually in the works and we canceled it because it didn't seem like it would make any sense. Once we made the deal to, to move over as an imprint um, to put out this one book 
have it out there for a while, have to scrap it and then republish it at Dark Horse. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, these creators, I'm, I'm a huge fan of their work. So that's why, <laughs> that's where the choice was made. Um, you know, I, I, I picked, uh, people or, you know, that, uh, I thought would really be into this, into this idea. Um, so that's, that was the only, <laughs> that was the only like litmus test. It was, you know. Yeah. And we were really into it. We were all really into it. Yeah. <laughs> you chose well. <laughs> was this something Becky that you uh, had an interest in beforehand or and obviously I know horror stories you're great at them but yeah, how, is this yeah. something this tradition <laughs> yeah. that's something that you <laughs> had an interest as well yeah yeah definitely um i mean i think the classic example if you're not familiar with it is probably dickens like a christmas carol because that's like spooky christmas story with ghosts but a lot of these stories that were told like mr james stuff you know f marion crawford like they're not it's not Christmas ghost stories. They're just ghost stories. They're, they're weird. They're like a little, some of them are like, you get to the end and you're like, what, what? <laughs> yeah. that just happened? Um, I, I think it might just be like more of a British thing. Um, Cause I know that during Christmas they'll do like MR James adaptations and things like that. And it's kind of become a thing, but um, definitely like one of the greatest things. I, I mean, I, you can see it in like nightmare before Christmas, you know, that mix of like spooky, Halloween and like no one really wants Halloween to end you know like <laughs> Halloween's over and all of a sudden it's like Mariah Carey and like you know Tinsel <laughs> Town and like everything's just like yeah it's great we love it but also like can it still be spooky for a bit more like we can have that yes and we can have that in this book <laughs> that's yeah. what we're doing <laughs> and Becky makes a good point I mean it's not it's these aren't necessarily ghost stories based on Christmas it's ghost stories told at Christmas. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I personally think that there's a lot of spooky things about Christmas. I mean, it, it's, it's the, I think part of the reason that it exists as a holiday was, you know, it is the middle of winter. Right. And people are trying to brighten, you know, that up a little bit. There's a lot of, you know, it's dark and yeah. you know, there's a lot of, uh, all the spooky gifts, you know, all the spooky gifts. <laughs> I only give spooky gifts. Only. That, that's interesting. When you mention um, Dickens' Christmas Carol, which, of course, as a note for the readers of this book, this this uh, this gathering happens to take place on a very specific year. Um, I, it's awesome that you picked up on that. I appreciate it. But... <laughs> It's interesting you mentioned uh, how Dickens is what we think of as ghost stories and at Christmas. We all think of Dickens, but Dickens, as you mentioned, he he took it to the Christmas connection, bringing up forgiveness and and mm -hmm. uh, uh, changing a new leaf, while everyone else was just doing horror stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's what this collection. This is not something you. This, this is something a great gift for Christmas, but you could read this easily all year round. Yeah, and we don't have anything socially redeemable in our stories. Oh, no. <laughs> so we we no, missed no, the, we, the Dickens mark. No, <laughs> we want to. <laughs> yeah. 
the book opens up with a uh, framing sequence with, with each of the character it, creators being a character. Now, Eric, you're the writer for that one. Did, did, the, did the, everyone, Becky, did you have any say on Becky's character in the book, Rebecca's character in the story? Or? <laughs> well, I showed everyone uh, the script and the, the kind of like a short little pitch of what I wanted to do. And I warned them that I wanted, I was going to make us all terrible. <laughs> so, and everyone seemed really great. I think uh, <laughs> Becky put it best when she described, she was like, these are like our D and D characters. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I had to be careful though, because I, I, you know, was drawing us all not very flatteringly. And so I had to make sure that I drew myself as the most decrepit. So, <laughs> so no one would get mad at me. So I, 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 my depiction, the depiction of myself in that is very unflattering. <laughs> I had a, a pet goose in the whole, in the whole thing yeah. too, which yeah. was quite, quite fun for me. It is fascinating how each uh, of the creators has, if I believe everyone has a little bit of a reference to their, their work, right? Mm-hmm. But just done Victorian style. Yeah. Very clever. Well, that was the thing. I think uh, everyone kind of contributed a little bit of their backstory. Like I, you know, um, uh, I, I kind of came up with a, a loose concept and, and I think, out of the three, um, Mignola came up with the most descriptive of what his character was. You know, he's he's a poet and he's on opium or something like that. <laughs> he was like <laughs> he was had a lot to it. Um, uh, Becky, uh, I, I don't want to give anything away because it ties into the end of the story, but Becky came up with a, um, uh, some very important things dealing with the goose. I don't even remember you, that. Yeah. <laughs> I write my emails in a in a in a flurry. So yeah. If I did, that's, that's fun. But it was a the goose was my favorite part. I've always wanted a pet goose. So. <laughs> um, how did you come to the uh, point of uh, you wrote James's story? Uh, was James not interested in? Uh, uh, did you have a story set, or did you write that story specifically for James? No, I, I I asked if he wanted to do a story, and then I, I think it was a couple of weeks later he he mentioned, "Would it be okay to bring in a writer?" Because I don't, you know, he he wasn't real comfortable. Uh, I don't know if it was the format that we were working with, you know, or uh, or whatever. But uh, uh, he was having trouble coming up with something. I said, "Well, I'll I'll write something for you if you want." And then I kind of pitched him on a loose idea and he uh, jumped at it. So that's kind of how that happened. I like how it definitely ties in with that astral, uh, you know, sort of almost a Victorian ultra mega to a certain extent. Yeah, I was trying to like do something that would play up his style a little bit. And uh, kind of the basis for for that story is uh, during that time, um, they thought there was another planet because Mercury had a odd orbit. So all of the, you know, uh, astronomy of that astronomers of that time thought that there was another planet. They even named it. It was called Vulcan, <laughs> but it didn't exist. Uh, Mercury just had a weird orbit. So I used that as kind of like the basis to, to do this story. And then we kind of did a, 
haunted house and in a Victorian version of space. <laughs> Just kind of weird, but wanted to make it a little different. That's amazing that the the history uh, that you worked in the history of the, the the real life history of that fake planet, yeah. because Neptune literally was discovered by a mathematician. Yeah, because who, of the who orbits. decided that based on the orbits, there had to be a planet there. Mm -hmm. Years before anyone knew there actually was a planet yeah. there, <laughs> and that's crazy. In the math yeah. of that, and that is what led, as you say. Someone assumed there must be a planet because Mercury's uh, orbit is weird too. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's some real math. That's some that's real some math. amazing I've, math. I've never done that. I've never done math like that in my life. I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm terrible at math. I could never be an astronomer. <laughs> uh, now, now, Becky, now your story—it uh, fit. When I was reading it, it was struck by how much it seemed like it could just almost be one of the by chance of Providence stories. It fits yeah. so neatly. It fits so well in that, that genre. Like uh, what drew you to this in the sense, was this an idea you've had before or just came up with just for fresh for this Christmas story? Well, I've, I've always liked the idea of a Kelpie. I mean, it's like a scary ghost horse, kind of an evil horse lives in the water, you know, <laughs> not very nice. That's my, that's my thing. Like I'm into it. So I've always kind of wanted to do a Kelpie story and didn't really know like where that was like, how am I going to find time to do it? What's, what's my excuse for doing this comic? Like there's no, I didn't have any reason to. Uh, so when Eric of course is like, do you want to do this story? And I was like, how can I put my Kelpie story in there? So it has been like kind of floating around in there. Um, and the twist is that it's a Victorian person telling a ghost story about someone from like, even like a ghost from someone even longer ago, like the English Civil War time period. So it's it's kind of fun to do like an old ghost story, but then there's like an even older ghost in the ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it was it was just, uh, it kind of came about very organically, which is um, my favorite way for things to come about. Um, yeah. And I, I think the, the fact that it feels a lot like my by chance or providence stories, I think when I get to do things that are like on my, like if you ask me anything I want to do, it'll just be something like that. Like, gotcha. I don't gotcha. want to, I don't want to draw cars. I want to draw horses. Like I want to draw guns. <laughs> I want to draw, I want to draw swords. <laughs> and creepy grins from ghost, ghostly figures, right? Creepy grins. Yeah. Uh, I noticed you also rhyming. How yes. hard was that? There's a couple of rhymes in there that were a little tricky, but for the most part, I liked, I mean, it's a, sometimes I worry, it's like, oh, is this, is this too sing-songy? Is it like a little silly? Um, but so many of my favorite poems are like rhyming verse. Uh, and I just, I just love it. <laughs> Even if it's like, you know, maybe goes a little too hard into the, into the rhymey verse. <laughs> it seems like 12 pages is like a perfect story. Half, half the stories end up rhyming, right? Because uh, Mike's yeah. story also uh, uh, has rhyming yeah. in it. I, I was glad I wasn't the only one doing it, you know? <laughs> it's nice when you've got, like, a partner in rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was... I was pretty blown away by uh, Becky's story. Uh, she told me that oh, I'm going to do it as like a poem. And I was like, that sounds cool. You know, and then, you know, when she 
turn the story in and I, I actually had a chance to read it. I was like, wow, this is uh, just way cooler. I mean, I thought it would be rad, but it was turned out even cooler than I thought it would. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, on your your story, Eric, is is there a particular uh, in, inspiration for your uh, story? Yeah, I was trying to do just straight up uh, Mr. James, you know, just a just a Victorian ghost story. Um, so I kind of uh, I, I wove a little bit of British history in there, um, and you know, I try. I, I was definitely trying to capture that vibe. Um, so that's kind of where that came from. It's interesting that now with Mike Flanagan on Netflix, uh, all the turning of the, the, the Henry James, Edgar oh, yeah, Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all these, <laughs> so all the, uh, the public nowadays, they're now ready for this. They know that this is a, yeah. a thing. I just don't know how kids are going to go back and read that stuff, though, when they see the Netflix version of uh, oh. <laughs> Fall of the House of Usher or something. They're going, this isn't like, uh, where's the rave? You know, <laughs> the Poe stuff is so good, though. Like, there's so many. It's amazing. Things, like, yeah. The murders at the room war get such a weird story. And the death in that is like just hmm. gross. And I, I don't know. I think there's still so much there to like really get into. Like, if you if you like this. Check out the source material. It's even weirder. Yeah. yeah. I was just telling Eric that uh, pit, the pit and the pendulum was a Christmas horror story. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, was, I don't uh, think I knew that either. From It was in 1849. It was an anthology, just like this, an anthology of horror stories for Christmas that apparently, if he said, you can get a copy for $750 right now on, on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems low for an original, like first print Poe book. Yeah. It does seem low. Maybe it's maybe it's not in good shape. I guess they were just so popular that these books are. Uh... Yeah, well, it's good. The classics never go out of style. What they say. Yeah. <laughs> what I liked also in the the stories that the the made up make up this collection is that. One of the key things about classic Victorian Christmas stories was it wasn't all Victorian manners and everything like that. There was a mix. It was there would be the lower stories and then there'd be the manor houses and haunted and creepy. And what you guys did in this collection was great by mixing up the styles and everyone had their own little thing. And that's very impressive. Yeah, I, originally my my original intent for this was everyone was going to do their story in black and white, oh. and then when Mike was finished with his, he he asked if it would be okay to do it in color because he thought it the the art wouldn't come across the same without some color on it, and I said sure. And then when I mentioned it to James and Becky, it's like Mike's going to do his story in color. So you guys can do yours in color too if you want. And they're like, "Who color it?" I said, "Dave Stewart." They're like, "We want to, we want to do color." So, always. But I, but I think it works really well because of that. Like my story's in black and white, and then the, you know, their story. Is, so every story has a different flavor to it, and I think that works really well. That's a good point. 
this this is the uh is this the second time that you've worked with uh phil balsman uh eric or uh well he worked he designed the game book yeah, and he designed I, this he's done He's done some other trades for us at Albatross. Uh, he did the Pug Davis collection, okay. um, and I think some of the Goon stuff. But yeah, we've been working with him for a while. I mean, he does an amazing job on this, and yeah. and Dean, of course, yeah. it's it's right in that same that same uh, creepy, creepy style. It worked yeah. very well. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, except that one's real life, which is kind of more frightening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not really a Christmas story, is it? So, uh, what's interesting, I was, uh, I had it, I was telling uh, Eric that uh, we actually did, he and I did a chat uh, at CBR 18 years ago, <laughs> a reader <laughs> chat. And I just, I just, uh, I, I only had a vague memory of it. I went and found it in an old flash drive. And what's funny in that, Eric, is it mentioned, uh, obviously, as you might imagine, the readers were all, when are you going to do more Marvel? When are you, you going to do more right. DC? Yeah. And what's interesting, you, you really haven't since then. Well, but um, Becky, obviously, you're yeah. doing <laughs> an amazing job on, on, on uh, your DC work. So... What do you guys, what is your particular positions on why, Eric, you haven't really done? And well, I think that's a bit of a two-way street. One, <laughs> on my end, I, I've been busy doing my own stuff. Uh, and on the other side of it, I, I came out pretty hard um, uh, for creator-owned comics uh, and kind of campaigned and was trying to draw more attention to it. And I think it rubbed some people the wrong way because uh, I was jokingly kind of uh, crapping on Marvel and DC a little bit. Uh, for the record, though, uh, and the, you know, of course, it's the hierarchy there is completely changed. So it's not the same people. But at the time, Marvel had a much better sense of humor about it than DC did. DC didn't. <laughs> they Those guys did not have a sense of humor at all. And I'm like, if you're working in comic books, Maybe you should have a little bit of sense of humor about yourself. But anyway, um, yeah, so I think that's it. I think I stopped getting as many offers because of that. And uh, a lot of and when something would come up, I just didn't have time to really. Right. You know, I did some covers here and there, but that's been about it. I did. I did a couple of short stories, I think, for for Marvel. I remember doing a. Uh, Doctor Doom story in something, and I, I recently did a short story in um, uh, the Alex Ross book. I did a Spider Man and the Thing story. I think it was like an eight pager or something. But that's that's been the last thing I think. And how about you, Becky? Like, why that balance? Is it important to do some creator and out or? Yeah, I think, um, you know, sometimes you just get a job and it just sounds fun. <laughs> it's hard to turn down. So I think my life has just been a, a series, you know, I've done some work for DC and I've done some work for Marvel, but I never felt like I've had a consistent, like, you know, I never feel like I'm there for a very long stretch of time. It'd be like a couple years and then I'll do something else and then I'd go back for like, you know, 
I think Marvel, my longest thing there was the Punisher. Um, and other than that, I've done like a bunch of short things for them, but I've never had yeah. like, besides the Punisher, like a consistent thing with them. And of course, DC, I was pretty busy for the last two years, but everything wrapped up pretty organically, again, organically uh, earlier this year. So it kind of left me free to pursue more creator owned stuff again, which has been nice. Um, and it's, I feel like it's fun to have the option that you can go back and you can, you know, play around in the sandbox, but I've right. never felt like it's something that I should put on. That's not the basket I want my eggs in, of course. you know? Right. Um, but it is, you know, I've always had fun working with those characters, of course. And um, yeah, it's one of those things where I don't ever think I'll be a hundred percent like a superhero person, but I do enjoy it every once in a while to like get in there for a little bit and like mess around. We're doing right now on CBR, we're counting, uh, we had everyone vote on their favorite characters. And uh, after not being in the top 50 last year, Cass and Stephanie are both in there. They're back at it. Oh, heck <laughs> yeah. That's what I here. like to hear. They're, they're great. That's, that's definitely a uh, coincidence. I don't think so. I think not. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell Michael he's, he's downstairs right now. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, as you said, so uh, so uh, Be- Becky, uh, Eric personally uh, pitched this to you, this story? Yeah, this yeah. Uh, and, okay. you know, when Eric Powell calls, you answer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a jab. <laughs> no, it's true. Like, it's going to be a cool project. Like, you do, like, all your books are rad, you know? It's like, you have this great idea, like, I, you know, no matter how hard it was for uh, to wrangle us cats, you know, you really did it. And <laughs> if you wanted to do it again next year, if you were crazy enough to be like, let's make this a yearly thing, I would be like, call me again, uh, and I will answer again. Uh, yeah, it's just a super fun concept. Um, working with your friend, like, I feel like comics, when you've been doing comics like, as long as we have, sometimes it get, you get a little burnt out and you, like, it's lonely, you know, you're sitting in your room all day alone, like staring at your, the wall or, you know, you're like, this is great, but I'm lonely. <laughs> so why not be lonely together and like make some books? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it just feels like this is what I used to feel when I was doing comics, like for the first time, like it energized me about it. It made me like when people's stories started coming in, you know, when Eric, you started sending out pictures of like what everyone's characters look like, it was like, oh, heck yeah, like this is. Like, this is why I am doing comics and, like, why I'm still doing it is because I can still get excited about it and I can still, like, I don't know. It's, it's so, it's so much fun. It's creatively nourishing. It's um, inspiring to see everyone else's, everyone's, like, raising the bar for everyone else. It just makes you want to be better and do better work and, you know, tell stories, like, sit around a fire and tell ghost stories. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was the real fun part for me, too, because, you know, I, I I write and draw my own material. So really, I don't have any interaction creatively with unless I'm writing for somebody else. And uh, to we were all doing our own things, but it was it, it did feel like that kind of thing when you're a teenager and you have friends that draw and you're over at their house and you're drawing. So you're like, look at this. Look what I, you know, uh that was totally the vibe and it was that was definitely the most fun thing about it yeah 
I think sometimes when you see how the sausage is made, it loses some of the magic. Um, so it's nice to get some of that back when you're working with friends. I like the framing sequence, sort of. Also, I love the, as you say, the camaraderie of everyone trashing each other's story. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I was cackling when I read that. Oh, my God. I, was I just couldn't. Uh, when I was writing it, I couldn't think of a way like, well, OK, we're going to transition from each story. What's the reaction going to be? Are they going to be scared? Are they going to whatever? <laughs> and then I, th I was like, no, they're they're jerks. They, they, they should just crap on everyone else's story. Yeah. So that's how that came about. But yeah, they seem yeah. like the only logical way to do it. <laughs> that whole framing sequence is like, you know, some anthologies, I, I like the theme is there, but this, like having that sequence, like that's the whole, all those characters and the, the way you told it, it just like made the whole thing feel like a, like even more satisfying. And when you get to the end, I was just like, I died. It was like, I can't believe I'm in this book. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had some art difficulties with the framing segment though. Uh, I had a paper problem where uh, right. I went through and inked the whole story and the, 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 I was doing it in a different style. So I went through and I was going to do this really scratchy inking style. And then, but to bring it all together, I was going to do the really kind of detailed wash. Um, you can kind of see my intentions. If you, in the back of the book, it's, it's got bios and those are the original drawings that I did of all of us. And that's kind of what I was going for, you know, or my intention to go for. And then when you look at it, uh, as I said, I was going through and I inked the whole thing and then I went back to do the washes on it. And the paper, I don't know what happened with this paper, but it immediately just turned to mud. So I went through and I was doing, I was doing a lot of um, just trying to paint over it a little bit with whitewash and then doing replacement panels on watercolor paper and stuff. So no. It was, it was rough. It came together. Okay. But it's, it's, it was, uh, I wish I could do it over again. Yeah. People say trust the process. Man, sometimes you cannot trust the process. No. <laughs> sometimes we just have to like make it happen. <laughs> right. Despite the process. Especially when you 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 know, you're working with deadlines and stuff. You yeah, just have to yeah. go with it, have to make it happen however it's gonna happen. Sometimes the comic is left in a taxi. That's uh... right. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting when you uh your style obviously in the two stories here and also even like your typical goon stuff and Ed Gein, how do you decide which approach, which style to use on each, you know, story? it's all feel, you know, it's like, what is the, the atmosphere that I'm going for here with the Gein book? Uh, it, I, I think I thought about doing that book in color for all of 30 seconds. <laughs> I, you know, because all of the reference, it's all old, you know, right. photography from life, black and white photography from Life magazine or the newspapers and everything. And I was like, there's no way this book can be in color. There's no it's it has to be in black and white. It has to fit that vibe. It has to kind of feel like, you know, you're reading an old newspaper um, that even went down to the the texture of the paper that we chose, you know, where uh, I didn't put it on slick paper. I put it on. Uh, a matte finished paper that kind of had more of that 
Um, it's a better quality than newsprint. Obviously, it's good paper, but it has that kind of dull, you know, sheen to it where it's not, uh, you know, glossy. Well, even though even then within Gein, there are multiple different uh, styles for different points of the book, too. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, when he's having his fantasies, um, we wanted it to look like a pulp uh adventure story or something like that. So I had used the, you know, kind of printing dot patterns and things like that. Yeah, that's a good effect. Uh, I, was, I was actually interesting while rereading by chance of Providence, uh, Becky, I, I read them all when they were, you know, five dollars. I read them all uh, when they were little books originally. Yeah, the little mini comics. Yeah, which I, they were amazing. And, did you know that they were going to be collected when, or was it just, as you say, something fun that you were doing that? Yeah, I never thought I'd collect them. When I did the first one, I never, doing a second one wasn't on my mind after I did the first one. It was just kind of like, I ended up doing one a year for three years. Right. Um, and a lot of it was just because I was like trying to get writing work and no one would hire me because I hadn't written anything. <laughs> so it was like, well, I guess I gotta learn how to do this. Um, I'll just write, I'll just put an eyes with one. I know. collected <laughs> it first as like a, yeah, I collected it first as a, a graphic novel, like a six by nine graphic novel that I self-published. And then I think I was just talking with Eric Stevenson and he like at a con or something. And he was just like, just bring it to image. Like, why don't you just do it an image? And I was like, I don't know. Like nobody asked me, <laughs> like, is that something I can do? Like, it's just, it, <laughs> it never really occurred to me. And those comics are all at like the weird, like, I don't even know what, like how did I draw how big did I draw them like I think they're slightly smaller than normal comic size but I had to like reformat them to fit the mini comic size and then I had to like reformat them again to fit the six by nine and then I had to reformat them again (laughs) to be the bigger size so it's just been like constant (laughs) reformatting issue with that book but um yeah that was cool to Lee Luridge brought the colors to that when I did that um in color, I asked him to do it. And I kind of already had like one layer of gray. Like there's like, it's like black, white with one gray tone. And so he kind of used that as like the middle tone. Um, yeah. So it came out great. Yeah, happy with it. Oh yeah, gorgeous. That's so funny that you mentioned, I was just, I was doing an article about John Ramita and he had a fascinating bit about partially why he went to Marvel after mm-hmm his DC romance comic stopped is that no one at DC talked to him and he didn't feel like asking anyone. <laughs> and so he said, I guess DC yeah. doesn't want me. Yeah. And how much of that comes from just, as you say, you're just bumping to Eric at a time and say, Hey. Yeah. You just don't think about it. I don't know. It's not yeah, like, it's- I'm not sure. Yeah, I, it's a, <laughs> it's a mystery to me, but it's nice that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. I, um, unless you have anything uh, uh, that, that you guys just want to discuss about, I guess we can just uh, let everyone know December nineteenth, four gathered on Christmas Eve. <laughs>